Thanks again to Dave DeLong for taking the time to, to explain distribution operations to the listeners out there. Uh, so, you know, please share this with your friends. Uh, share share the website, www.viewfromtheskies.weebly.com. Uh, share the podcast. Uh, follow me on YouTube, on, on my vlog channel, and and. Take all these resources that you can to to help your military transition and, and help your friends, and help your fellow veterans uh, throughout the transition process. You can you can connect with me on LinkedIn uh, through through my website uh, or on my other social media. There's a view from the skies Facebook page, uh, and then there's view from the skies. Uh, I put some videos and other stuff on Pinterest as well. And we'll look to grow that area on the side as well. So uh, please, you know, just share this information. Uh, donate if you can on the, on the View From The Skies website or on, on anchor.fm. But uh, more importantly, just share this information out there. I can't stress that enough because all I'm trying to do is leaving the foxhole better for the next person. Thank you. Thanks for joining me, Ryan Sweeney, the host of the View from the Skies podcast. Before we get into distribution operations with David DeLong from uh, A-Hole Delays, wanted to just, you know, again, put it out there. Please, uh, if you're a friend of a transitioner or a friend of a veteran or you're a veteran, you're a military transitioner, uh, please share this out there, uh, this podcast out there. It's, it's on all the major devices, uh, www.anchor.fm. Uh, it is where where you can go on and leave me voice messages. You can also visit my website www.viewfromtheskies.weebly.com, and you can leave me some feedback there. You can leave donations to help make this thing better. Because uh, because at the end of the day, I'm trying to get this information out there. So please leave me feedback, leave me voice messages, uh, share with your friends, uh, fellow veterans, fellow transitioners. So we can try to grow this thing a little bit more and get more support, more information out there to assist transition and service members and veterans within their career search. All right. Good morning, Dave. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing doing pretty good. Thanks for for joining me this morning and taking time out of your morning to talk uh, to talk to El Hayes and talk distribution operations. And I know we go we go back to 
high school and high school football days, but we, we have that commonality uh, from the U.S. Army, and, and I believe, you know, you're, you're taking time out of your morning to help, uh, you know, help transitioners or help veterans even learn, you know, learn a little bit about what you do and who you are and your organization, so I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. No, and this actually comes at a good time. I was just helping a friend of mine who um, who just transitioned out of the military, I think uh, maybe three weeks ago, uh, get himself employed. And, uh, so this, I don't know. I think the whole the whole concept is great. I think there's definitely a lot of things that people can learn about the transition and how to make it a lot easier for themselves. I'm happy you're doing it, man. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that being said, you know, walk us through your background a little bit. Uh, you know, you don't have to go in great detail, but but you know, your, your experience in the military and then your transition and, and where you're at today. Yeah, sure. So um, I, uh, I was one of the few people that went into the military out of college having absolutely nothing to do with the military in college. I went to Syracuse University out of high school, um, graduated there, but uh, my family's got kind of like a Lieutenant Dan situation from uh, Forrest Gump where we all kind of go into the military. Um, so it was, I don't know, Destiny faded, whatever the case might be, but I went in immediately after college under the uh, officer candidate school program uh, and went down to um, Fort Benning and did uh, basic training in, in my officer candidate school there and became a signal officer because of my communications background in, uh, in um, college. I was a IT guy. Uh, did that for five years on the active duty side. I was stationed in Germany mostly, first with the 440th Signal Battalion and then the 18th Military Police Brigade. Um, I did uh, a couple of deployments, a 13-month and a 14-month deployment, uh, both to Iraq and Baghdad in 2005-2006, and then 2007-2008. And at that point, uh, decided to get out of the active duty side, came, uh, came back to the States, um, into the Albany area, and kind of fell backwards into distribution. I just posted my resume on Monster um, and uh, Target, who was uh, local to the area in Amsterdam, um, Kind of reached out. They were hiring a lot of people from the military at that point, and uh, that's where I got my start in, in distribution. Um, I stayed with the reserves for another four years, did a company command and a battalion XO spot, and then got out of that too. So I am, uh, at this point, military-free, um, and that's kind of a real quick background of my, my military side. Um, I don't know if there's any, any additional stuff you want, but uh, right now, I went from uh, Target to, uh, did five years at Target and did a bunch of different departments kind of in a supervisory role, and then moved into my current job, or my current company, which is uh, Ajo Delhaze. So they merged recently uh, last year, and uh, started as an operations manager, and then moved to a, a DC manager, and, and then my current position, which is director of distribution operations. So I oversee uh, distribution and transportation for the Western division of the Hannaford grocery stores. It's my current job. All right. Well, that's uh, that's a lot, and that that gives us a lot to. Uh, no, I mean that's great. It gives us a lot to work with. So um, I appreciate that sharing that background. And and the one thing I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to to start um, to kind of dive in and pick at your transition a little bit is um, yeah. is uh, you know you put you post on monster monster and you know not many people uh, you know you talk to most people and they don't. I'm not saying that they don't do that, but they, it's not something you hear commonly when you, when you hear about the transition. So, uh, you know, talk to, talk to me about how, uh, you know, outside of just posting it on there, you know, how that process went, um, you know, wh whether you had, you worked with a 
somebody on your resume or and then and then carry that into you know distribution because I'm looking like you said signal officer uh, communications degree in college and then you fall backwards into distribution was distribution something you were right. looking for uh, you know kind of walk us through that a little bit yeah so um, I think and this is probably something we'll talk about in a bit too um, I absolutely worked with with someone so the biggest issue I I had personally and I think that I see uh, come with, from folks coming from the military. This is 10 years ago, too, so people may not use Monster anymore. I'm, I'm <laughs> now. Um, but uh, we, uh, my, my resume didn't make a whole lot of sense in the civilian world. Like this, the things that I did, I was a platoon leader, I was a company XO, and then I moved into being a brigade communications officer when I was uh, still a first lieutenant. So I was 24 years old, did that for a couple of years, um, and then I kind of transitioned out. So I had a lot of responsibility early and young, which is, I think, a huge advantage in the military, but translating what that meant into something that a person who has no experience with the military would understand was difficult for me personally. So I came out of the Army in March of 2009 on the active duty side, putzed around kind of New York and visited people I hadn't seen in a while for a couple of months, and then I just realized I needed a job. There was uh, an organization... It was like New York State for Veterans or something like that, that uh, was just starting up, and they reached out to me randomly and said, hey, um, through, I think, a, thir a, a third part, somebody I knew, and uh, said, hey, we're, we're looking to start this up to help uh, transitioning veterans kind of get military careers. We would like to look at your resume. We've got some people who have done HR work and things like that, and uh, we'd like to help you kind of make it make sense. And so they did that for me, and, and that's they kind of ran through my resume and said, all right, well, you did um, – you know, communications, people understand communications, you don't have to talk about like the different, you know, levels, the battalion or the, the company or the brigade, like it doesn't necessarily make sense. It's about how many people you do, what kind of networks, that kind of thing. And so they just helped it, a uh, translation process essentially happened that, um, that then I post on Monster. Amazon did not care about experience at that point. So they, they were generally hiring from three areas. Uh, the military, uh, people fresh out of college with a degree, and um, folks who had experience in the industry. And I think they used that at the supervisory level to build a team that had a little bit of experience, but also had the, um, you know, a little bit of education stuff going on, and then uh, the dynamic kind of leadership that the military brought to the table. And uh, they brought me on. It was kind of a rigorous interview process. It was, I don't know, five, six rounds of interviews. Um, and there was actually like a, I think they did an IQ test. Um, and so I somehow passed that and they brought me into, into Target there. And that was, that was the start of it. So um, from that point, I, I jumped into a bunch of different uh, areas of the business at Target in distribution. Um, so they had different departments, the shipping department, the receiving department, the warehousing department, so on and so forth. And I gained experience there. And that's, that was how it did. So I did, was not looking for it, but I did not want to be homeless. And that's kind of why I was like, well, all right, I'll do this for a while. And 10 years later, I'm still doing it. Yeah, no, and, and that's great. I think it goes to the point that uh, you never know what your interests are, what your, your likes are going to be, and that's one thing I try to stress out with uh, these transitioning veterans. I mean, a lot of people think, you know, think there's some tailored background or, hey, I was a, I was a SIGO, so I got to go work in IT, or I was an aviator, so I got to go fly for the airlines, and there's a lot of other skills um, that translate that, 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 you know, you might not think 
Um, and and and, the, and you have to try some of the stuff out for size. I mean, I, I've said it in past several past podcasts. I mean, I, I went into retail management, thought that was going to be my career, and guess what? Ten months later, here I was in manufacturing. And at the beginning of things, I never thought I was going to be in manufacturing because I'm, I'm not making working dirty shop, dirty machine. You know, you know, with the soot on yeah. my face. You know, and the you know, I, and and it's not like that. So you, you don't know something until you, you necessarily try it. Um, so I definitely yeah, I remember sharing that. I remember talking to you uh, earlier on in your your yeah. army career, and you were going into uh, you know being a pilot. You're going through a lot of rigorous training as a as a pilot. I think you got to the point where you were you were able to fly like the VIPs around, right? Yeah. And uh, that is honestly what I saw you doing after you were transitioning. I heard you were coming out of the military, and we talked what a, a few years ago now, yep. um, a couple of years ago, when you were just getting ready to transition. I honestly thought that was like, well, this is an easy path, path for him. And so the path that you have taken has been so far outside of that. I think it's a great point that um, your experience in the military, the things that people are going to be looking for, are not just your job. I think the job is probably a distant second to just the skill sets that you pick up and the soft skills that you kind of learn to develop uh, in certainly leadership positions in the military, NCO and up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so here you go. So to tie it into the skills, but but a little bit beforehand. So you, so you started at Target. Do you think, in your opinion, did you have to take? Was it a step back, um, you know, position-wise, or, or you know, having been having been a platoon leader and and whatnot in the military? Did do you feel like if it was a, a step back for you to in order to move forward, yeah. or, or walk walk me through that? Yeah, I think a, I think a little bit. So. Um, it's certainly a step back in scope. When I left the military, I, I came out, I was a brigade communications officer, so, uh, in, in, uh, I had just come back from Iraq the second time. And uh, the 18th Military Police Brigade in Iraq had about 5,000 people under them scattered all over the country. So I oversee, saw communications for that large group, right? And I came back and, and got a job at Target. The pay wasn't a huge step back. It was a little bit back when you factor in things like your BH and, and and colon stuff that I got in, in Germany. Um, but uh, the scope, I was, you know, leading a team of 75 people again, which, you know, was was a fair amount of just direct reports, but it wasn't, it was, you know, generally unskilled labor, although distribution takes takes a lot of work and it's not an easy job, um, and was, I would say, definitely a, a step back in scope. That being said, it was a completely different industry that I wasn't used to, and it was a great learning ground in, in how to do that kind of thing. And that's what I, how I kind of approached it. If I was going to join the workforce and, and, and round out my resume, I knew I didn't really want to do IT in the civilian world because the military version of IT is pretty much the most exciting piece that you get, and it wasn't that great. Um, so I figured I was open to other things, and learning a new job was, was as beneficial to me as not being homeless. You know? Yeah, no, and that's a fair point. I mean, I just got done reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, and and he, but you know, to be when he after he got out of college, he bounced around from organizational organization, and it was all to fit the plan. Uh, and he, you know, he grew and then took a step back when he was in a uh, 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 trade, and then he grew and then got into sales or got in the military, and then took a step back and got into sales and took a step back, and it was all part of his plan to learn. At the end of the day, right. I think that's a fair point. I mean. Uh, and, and I don't know if you can attest to it, but, but my feelings are uh, you can make up for that lost time pretty quick. I mean, it's the, the just character that 
we as veterans bring to the table, um, you just don't, I guess you don't see in, in a majority of the, the regular workforce, so to speak. So I, I, I try to get back to people. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I was in the same boat. I'm like, I got to take a step back pay wise. And I got to take a step back. And, and I went from even from my first job leading people to this position now that I'm in where I don't lead anybody. And I'm like, no, I'm really taking a step back. Uh, here I was right. a leader my entire life. Well, guess what? I found, I, I, I've, really kind of taken a step forward because I've taken the opportunity to learn other areas and, and kind of focus on myself. It's been nice not to be responsible for, for, you know, uh, so many heads for a period of time and, and, uh, use the opportunity to round myself out. So it's been nice. Yeah. Honestly, it's a, a secret fantasy of mine to not be responsible for other people. Until, <laughs> it's like 17 years now that I've been doing it both in college and here as a supervisor or in the military, and I'm like, how would that be to go home and not have to worry about anything? You know, yeah. I think yeah. that'd be a nice thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so, so to get into distribution and distribution operations, you know, you talked about some of the skills that carried and some of the skills um, that that you had to learn. Can you can you kind of walk us through what carry? I guess what carried over um, from your military, and then what what and how you went about learning uh, some of the other skills? Yeah. Sure. So. I think that there has actually been kind of a transition. Uh, I, I know certainly in the distribution and transportation world from a, a leadership perspective, but I would, I would hazard to guess across most of the, uh, the industries that are out there that are not like tech specific or, or very niche, you know, doctors and things like that. And that's that uh, soft skills become a lot more important than, than hard skills or taught skills, right? Um, so the military helps develop that a lot. And by that, I mean uh, your ability to collaborate, your, your um, you know, leadership, leading others, in, inspiring, engaging a team, um, being able to handle pressure, uh, and just those, those types of things, which are what I would call bought skills versus taught skills or, or soft skills versus hard skills, however you want to define it, are hugely valuable. And this is, I think, where people undervalue themselves coming out of the military too somewhat, because they don't necessarily see that. They say, hey, I've fallen behind in my industry or whatever my role was um, because I have not been part of the civilian world. But I interview people all the time. I see resumes. Uh, I, I, I've you know, interviewed people up through pretty senior levels in, in a company. And that is something you don't see in spades a lot. And that's what I think a lot of folks in the military have. Um, and so anytime I see that, uh, I try to, you know, bring it forward. That was for me, I think what, what got me into the position at Target is I had those kind of soft skills. They knew I didn't know anything about distribution transportation, literally nothing. Um, but they saw that they could train me in that. And it does not take, to your point earlier, very long to learn, uh, the, the taught skills of a job, right? Within a year, you're going to be fairly competent at it. And within a couple of years, you'll probably be able to innovate if you're that kind of person. Um, so... I had those in kind of the way my mind works in general. The military absolutely honed them, you know, working uh, certainly in Iraq. We, I worked heavily with the Iraqi police to kind of get them the Baghdad in, in Baghdad to get them, um, you know, to where they needed to be for a police force, um, just the different problem solving that you had to do, um, the way you had to collaborate. There is a hierarchical structure in the military that a lot of other companies have. It was actually one of the things I didn't like the most about the military, but um, it certainly, it certainly, uh, shows you how to work within a very defined structure that you have to kind of provide upward feedback in a delicate way, uh, provide feedback to your peers and work with peers who have different skill sets and, 
you're going to be inserted into areas and have different uh, coworkers on a 12 to 18 month schedule. Like all these things help form a very strong base in soft skills for a person coming out of the military. And then not to say anything about just the leadership stuff you have to do when you're dealing with um, life and death matters or, you know, even just having to, you know, herd cats along the way in training exercise and things like that. All those things are very valuable. Yeah, no, and, and so there's a few things that I want to I want to point out there for the listeners and, and, you know, one, the first one being the soft skills. And I, I love it because, you know, it, it's all about who you talk to. And you can go back to some of the other podcasts I have and, and I turn around or, or, or the, the, my guest turns around and says hard skills. Well, yeah, it certainly depends on what industry and, and what area you're going in and what you, what you as an individual want to focus on. So sure. If you want to be a, a, uh, JavaScript writer, then you probably, well, not probably, you need to have that education, that hard skill. They're not right. going to hire you to train you. But if you want to get into an industry, or you, or you really like the problem solving and the, in the, and and like to have that pressure, uh, like some of the folks that I work with and myself, uh, and being able to stand out front lead, then you can, you can have that opportunity in an organization. Uh, you know, such as Target, for example, there, or, or even GE um, here with me, where they where they're willing to take you because of those soft skills, and then take the time. And it goes back to that training and learning piece we talked to. Some of it's training on for you on the organization's behalf. They'll train you to do this, but a lot of it is also you. What are you willing to learn, and and how much you know extra are you willing to go and put into it. Uh, to develop those technical skills to then advance your career forward after that. So I, I think that's uh, very much uh, a great example. Uh, you know, here you are, distribution operations saying, you know, you can get in with your soft skills. There, there is no, uh, you know, we can we can do uh, Apex training and you can do Lean Six Sigma Green Belt and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it sounds like you're preaching the same thing. I mean, yeah, that. It's good stuff to learn, but but nobody's going to say you have to have that coming in. Um, they're looking for more of those, the leading leading people, um, you know, and, and problem solving and handling under pressure. And I think a great example is, I, and I want to put it out there. I see so many transitioning vet or transitioning service members now. Their job titles say project manager. And like right. project manager is the most generic thing. And we think because we managed operations or managed logistics or, or whatever mm-hmm. in the military that we're, what we're project managers. Well, we are in a general sense of things, but really we're these soft skills that you talked about. You're not a project manager in the hard skill that, um, you have experience in the industry, so to speak. Maybe if you're coming from like a med service and you're going into, and you're going into the medical field, then yeah. But if you're going from, you know, from from I, you know, IT S six kind of stuff into into uh, distributions, then then you're not a project manager. So, uh, but but you are still a leader and you're still a problem solver. Um, so so watch, I guess, for the listeners out there, you know, how you title yourself. Um, based on what your interests are, where your skills are, what industry you're interested in. Yeah, in all, in all honesty, um, I mean, if there's things, I don't think the military, and this could have changed recently, I don't know, but I don't think the military does a great job of providing uh, civilian certifications for the things that they learn, and that's maybe what, what causes some folks to take a step back and say, well, I, I'm going to have a difficult time. Um, but if there are areas, if you want to be a project manager, right, you can get your green belt, black belt, Six Sigma certification, you can learn, you know, 
um, the lean methodologies can do a lot of different things while you're getting ready to transition um, that year leading into it that'll set yourself up for success if you want to do that. And then you could viably say, well, I have this background and, and people will understand. But you'll certainly have the soft skill side and I will, you know, 100% of the time take a uh, person who's strong in soft skills but doesn't have any technical experience versus someone who does not have the soft skills but has, you know, 20 years of experience in the industry. 100% of the time, and I've, I've never regretted that kind of decision. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you a quick anecdote. Uh, the reason I got into my current company, Apple uh, Delhi, is they made the mistake of uh, doing the opposite in the building I came into, which was to promote people based off of how well they were doing in their current position, which was mostly technical skill set, right? So they were good at the technical side, but did not have any of the leadership things. So the supervisory team, the manager team, was filled with people that didn't know how to lead, but just knew you know, how to move boxes. And it created a horrible culture that caused a ton of issues with the associates, the, the people, the workers doing the job. Um, and they ended up having a pretty well clean house and bring in a whole new leadership team. There's only a few people left from that particular time, the folks who could adapt and, and did have a skill set that they weren't utilizing in the past. And so that's, um, you know, that's, I think, somewhat common. And I think that speaks to a little bit of that transition that has been happening. We have to provide a better experience for the workers that are working for us. Um, in, in my realm anyway. And to do that, I don't really care how well you can move a box. It's really about how you can work with people and, and help, you know, navigate obstacles and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I think that's a great segue and that's a great point is, is there you are, you know, listeners out there, if you're interested in, um, you know, in, in, Using that background, your your soft skill sets, and you're interested in in distribution operations, or you want to try it out. Here's an organization who's valuing, um, you know, made that transition is valuing the character and the soft skills, and uh, almost the the Jim Collins good to great. You know, let let's get the good people on the bus and figure out what which you know what they're good at and and fit them in, get them in that right seat. Um, and, I, and I think that's awesome. And, and I know it's a growing organization that's just stretching across the Northeast and then down the East Coast. So if you're interested, and and the thing I want to point out too is, is the great thing about all this is that there is no defined path. Um, it, it's, it's, one, it's hard. It took me some time to get over leaving the military, HRC, telling me what to do next to become a battalion commander or whatever the case was. Um, right. Now you control it yourself. So if if food is your thing, but you don't have a you know whatever you don't have a you want to be you know a, a buyer of seafood, but you don't have that experience and that background, I'm sure you can sit here and attest. Maybe not, but um, hey, you want to get into Delhaize? I don't have that background in sourcing, but I can get into the distribution side with the skills that I do have, and then you can start working side projects and working your network and 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 finding that, that bigger picture, that bigger strategy that, that you're looking for. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so uh, if you're painting painting a picture of, of distribution operations, you know, uh, manager or operations manager, um, you know, for those transitioning, you know, we obviously talked to soft skills, but uh, is, there, is there anything else, you know, because I know a lot of these job descriptions are kind of generic, and that's what I want to help bridge the communication gap between, between the civilian world and between the military world. Is there, is there anything else uh, that you would touch on that, that skills that they can perhaps acquire um, in the meantime or something else that, that helps them stand out uh, when they're, you know, kind of reading between the lines on a, on a job description? Yeah, so I think 
something to highlight in a way that is understandable um, for the uh, civilian world is how um, it, uh, the, the leadership in the military does a very nice job of, of documenting, coaching, mentoring, that kind of thing. And then the disciplinary process is pretty well outlined as well. And I think I have seen uh, with a lot of companies, folks I've talked with, folks that I deal with kind of in the industry, that that is kind of a big gap. And so that you have large companies like uh, Target, like Ajo Delhaye's now, that have a pretty defined structure. But there is a number, and this sounds ridiculous for me to say that it's a smaller company, uh, but you know anything less than probably $15 billion in, in revenue um, will not necessarily have that structure. Mm-hmm. So bringing that to the table and highlighting that within your resume, uh, you know, you don't, you're not necessarily hiring or interviewing, but you're absolutely doing through you know, performance management is a huge piece that the, the military has. Um, uh, you know, coaching, mentoring, a huge piece that the military has. The responsibility, and, and when, you, when you oversee, you know, 10 people as a squad leader or, um, you know, 70 people as a uh, platoon leader or 150 people as a company commander, those are all things that can translate well if you use the correct language um, because you'll have the oversight that people are looking for and you'll have kind of a structured approach to performance management that many companies do not have. It was surprising me to see that as I was coming through. Like this, there's a huge, there's a huge swath. Those, those middle-sized and smaller companies that are basically blank pages for you to make your name on and do well in. Um, and I would consider a lot of those different companies. It's easier to go to some of the bigger ones because they have jobs that across any number of, of um, archetypes within the military or any number of branches will fall in line with it. Um, but uh, a lot of smaller companies are better places to go because what you bring to the table is that much more valuable because they do not have it. Yeah, no, it's and it's. Um, I guess it's it's. Yeah, to your point, reading the job description, but but understanding that culture and that's the importance of networking and just you know having an open-ended conversation with folks um, throughout you know, throughout the inter- informational interview and even the interview process is, is understanding where some of those gaps are and what you can help do with some of these skills that we came out of the military with. Um, you know, and, and, and I mean, I'm an example as well. I, I, I don't work, I work on the Veterans uh, Network Board um, and then help run the Plant Veteran Network here. And I dabble in HR, basically HR stuff. I help talent acquisitions. I help recruit. I, I, you know, we'll use a, we use the hiring our heroes program here, and it's all outside of my scope. Um, but it's because I have the ability to, to. I did organizational development when I was a company commander. I and I did coach and teach and mentor and developed a process to do that for for the business leaders that are here. Um, you know the organizational leaders that are here, so they can so they can turn around. Their life can be a little bit easier. They don't have to worry about building it um, from scratch each time. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely, I agree, hundred um, percent. That that's uh, something to, to highlight um, when you're bringing it. Uh, you know, specifically in an industry that's dealing with a lot of personnel, be it manufacturing or be it distribution operations. And in fact, the last I just I just talked to another uh, another GE site, and uh, I was 
looking at getting closer to the customer and and uh, all he wanted to talk about was my military experience about leading uh, leading people. Uh, you know, he's like, "Wow, you know, I need we need good leaders, and we need uh, you know need somebody who's you know running used to running people and doing performance development." Have you done performance development? I'm like, "Hey, let me tell you about performance development on the individual <laughs> and on the leadership and on the even on the collective level." You know, so uh, I didn't expect to touch on that. I expected to touch more on my manufacturing background in my last three years. We end up talking about a lot about my military time still so you know and i would i would say too the other piece that i would add um because i i tend to focus on kind of the the soft skills because what i'm generally looking for and and what i found that has been allowed me to be a little bit successful um has been a lot of the soft skills side um if you can quantify some of the things that you do in the military so as a company commander maybe you you um improved um you know apft scores by whatever percent efficiency in um you know flight time or whatever it happens to be in the different branches, improved network uptime by whatever percent, quantifying the things that you did and being able to speak to the process that you did it um, is hugely beneficial as well. Um, because a lot of people will say, uh, generically come in and say, well, we did this and we did that, which basically to me means that you were maybe part of a team or maybe saw something happen. But if you could say, I per- personally put this structure together, this is how I brought disparate entities to the table to improve this particular metric, and this is how much I moved it, um, that goes, that's something that translates across kind of anything. Everybody kind of understands that. They may not understand specifically what you're talking about. They say, all right, well, this person has a process for doing this thing that works, and this is the outcome that, that they got from it. That seems like it was, you know, an improvement that I understand, and that can help a lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. So well, one of my, you know, one of my bullets that, that I talk a lot is, um, and it, it just brings drives to the point home of quantification. Um, and, and nobody's going to really challenge you on the numbers and the numbers, you know, get them in the ballpark. You know, I know cause we don't, right. we don't talk about it a lot in the army, but, um, you know, I have a, I reduced, uh, basically blade hours by developing a standard operating procedure when I was at a brigade in order to, you know, streamline the process and of, of, um, moving passengers basically and uh, I end up saving roughly what I equated to about five million dollars of uh, of of blade so so blade hours so nothing in the big picture of the uh, of the government Uncle Sam reaching in his pocket but but when you talk when you put it in an organization what sounds better I saved you 120 blade hours this year well the manufacturing they don't care how many blade hours I sub but if I told them I saved five million dollars uh, I say my organization five million dollars. Yeah, their eyes light up. So um, yeah, don't, don't you know, right yeah. So it's it, it's a rough it's a rough estimate. I mean, it's probably a couple mil left or right. You know, um, but uh, it's in the ballpark, and nobody's going to question that. So so definitely find find those niches within your within your bullets and, and, and put some put some quantification to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so how did you go about? Uh, so, so once you got into distribution operations, and then you fell on some of these soft skills. How did? Is there something that you did uh, to grow within the organization, or some skill sets that you developed, or training, or whatnot that you could share for the listeners? Yeah. So there's going to be a point, and it, it varies from person to person, where you um, understand pretty thoroughly the job that you're being asked to do. And then uh, my thing was always, if there was a problem, I would identify problems and then propose solutions 
solutions to resolve them. And some of them would get shot down and some of them they implemented. And it kind of got me to a point within Target that they were talking about kind of the next level for me, which um, at the time would have been a similar uh, a project manager kind of role um, in I would have to move to Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. The second thing I did was make friends. Um, and it's honestly the military helps with that because it's constantly you're being moved around, you're being in, thrown into a bunch of different uh, groups, most of which are very open because everybody's going through the same thing. But you learn how to establish connections quickly, um, make friends, and that more than anything else um, kind of helped move me into kind of the new company in the role. So I was forced with a decision, do I want to go to Minneapolis? And then a friend of mine who I um, was um, partners with at Target um, uh, moved over to what was at the time Delhi's America and has uh, merged in the company Ajo Delhi's. And he ended up coming in as a DC manager into the building I currently uh, oversee. <clears throat> and he uh, um, reached out a few months later. I had kind of established myself as um, someone who you know, was bright, was uh, good with people, was good with culture, and was also a project manager as well um, uh, that could kind of move the needle on some stuff that he needed. And so I was the first person he reached out to when he had an open position as an operations manager. Um, so those connections that you can kind of create for yourself as you're, as you're coming into an organization, um, they pay dividends. Uh, the first job that you may get is going to be, you're going to be kind of going in blind, or maybe you know some people who transitioned that got, got you kind of a connection or an interview. Um, largely after that, as you start to progress, it's going to be about who you know, who you know uh, who you've worked with well, who you've established relationships with, what everybody else does with their career, who can you bring with you. Um, I brought a number of folks over to my current building from Target, uh, and they have now branched out in other areas. One of my main focuses for the building I'm in is to give my managers, my supervisors, additional skill sets and develop them so that they can spread out and, and kind of go through the network as well. And so you build kind of professional networks in these different manners that help you move and facilitate your kind of career growth going forward. The cool, uh, the thing I liked, the thing I didn't like about the military, I'll tell you, as, and this is a, more true on the officer side than I think the enlisted side, uh, is it's not necessarily a meritocracy. Um, and by that I mean, you know, there's good people that move forward, and if you're getting into those, uh, you know, colonel general ranks, there's, you know, every one of them is phenomenal. They're, they're bright people that are doing well. Um, but there is also a piece, and this was truer, I think, maybe uh, when I was leaving the military than it may be now, just because the functionality and the deployment schedules and stuff have changed. The attrition rate is probably not as bad. Uh, but they were moving a lot of people forward um, based off of their time in service and that they hadn't really messed up. Ross Perot uh, was asked, you know, late into his career, and he was a billionaire at this point, like, hey, why did you move, leave the military? And he said, well, I realized that if I stayed in the military and did a nice job in 25 years, I could be an admiral, or I could go into the civilian world, uh, establish a career for myself, and do the, be, have that same level of responsibility in 10 years. You know? um, because the business world is absolutely a meritocracy. If you do well for yourself, if you bring um, stuff to the table that other people don't, if you're looking for and solving problems for the folks that you work for, um, you will move forward. Right, and that's and you'll move forward at a rate, however quickly that you you can or you want to, um, because it doesn't necessarily exist in abundance out there, and that's something that the military um, I think lacks a little bit that attracted me to uh, kind of the civilian side. This is a weird rant uh, that I'm going on, but I think that that um, establishing those relationships and being aware of the fact that the things that I did would potentially benefit me. Uh, uh, in the speed with which I could move forward and do things for myself, closing the gap when I came out of the military and the step back I took a lot more quickly than otherwise and surpassing it. Now, now I do a lot better than I would be in the military. I have a larger scope 
that I would have in the military at the same level of experience. Um, and it just, you know, I think that's something that people don't necessarily realize that is available to them and certainly something that, uh, that helps me. As that yeah, going, going no, absolutely. And I, I sum all that up as never stop interviewing. Right. So mm-hmm. it's not it's not the formal interview, but it's the you know, whether somebody's directly or indirectly judging or assessing you, they're judging and, ass- and assessing you. I mean, I, I for this podcast, for example, you know how many people I IT folks and communications folks are now viewed my LinkedIn profile. Never was my intent uh, necessarily, so to speak, was uh, was not the target audience um, that I was going after. But but now people are. You know, and I'm like, oh, you know, I got to keep in mind that people who are professionals in this industry are judging what I'm doing on my, you know, on my cell phone in a, in a corner office, so to speak. So, um, so the point is, is that, you know, always try to put your best foot forward and never stop, never stop interviewing because you don't know uh, where that friendship is going to lead and, and where that person's going to go. And then, and then to your point, it's a meritocracy uh that's the one thing is is it goes back to is it's okay to take a, that step back because you you have control over your career you have control over how what speed you want to go so to speak it's not the I'm that much better than my peer so I'm getting promoted one year before him or her you know it's it's the I'm that much better than my peer I'm getting promoted now and six years before they're getting promoted you know or whatever the case is so you know the flip side. And on the flip side, and if you get out of the military for another reason, you want more family time or whatever, you can you have the control to slow that down a little bit and, and do what you want to do, whether that's working side businesses or doing family time or exploring your faith or whatever, you know, whatever your interest is. Um, just know that it's always it's always leading, uh, you know, it, it's leading somewhere and have it fit in that big picture plan. I think a lot of us. Uh, and I did a vlog on it and I'll post it in the show notes, but a lot of us focus so much about getting out of the military because it is a difficult task and how to get out mm-hmm. and what the, like the short term solution is. And we never, I mean, I never tied it in until now I'm you know, four years out and I'm finally tying it into a long-term plan, big picture. And I wish I had done it sooner. And that's why I'm, I'm trying to put it out here on the podcast is, is, you know, have the, have the big picture plan and and keep it vision and scoped and broad enough where it's not, it's not, well, I have to, you know, hate my life and manufacturing or distribution or human resources and suck it up until I get to the top. No, it's a big picture plan on where you see yourself, you know, at, whether it's at retirement or, or years down the road or whatever the case is and, and how you can, you know, take roads and, and maneuver to get there in the long run. Yep. And I think, too, if you if you see somebody who is doing something that you want to do um, and going up and being willing to be like, hey, I like where you're at and I'd like to ask you kind of what kind of things you did to get there um, is. Uh, it's not uh, there's not a formal mentorship that, that happens as much in the civilian side as in the military. Right. Like you go to your battalion commander, your brigade commander, whatever, and, and they're they're responsible for helping to guide your, your decision making. Um, but there absolutely is, is an informal mentorship that you can establish and, and pick up with people. And if you have a rapport with someone, you like where their, their career has gone, um, it's absolutely okay to start talking to them on a somewhat regular basis and, and have them help guide you along to where you want to be. So if you have a plan for yourself, that is phenomenal, and that's a great step. And then to help you execute that plan, once you get into an industry or you see people that are doing something, start having the conversations to figure out what the more specific steps might be. And then you can start to take that. 
Yeah, and a, a good idea. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just saying, and, and to me, the one thing I, I mention over and over is is listen. Like, truly listen. Don't listen to state your point. Don't listen to, um, you know, have a preconceived, your preconceived notion. Listen. And, and people ask me the question I get, you know, a lot is how do you ask, like, interview questions? And I'm like, it should be pretty natural. And if it's not natural, then you're either not listening or you're just not interested and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, like you found out you're not interested in that company, that position, that, that industry, that, you know, job title, whatever the case is. Cause you're, you're sitting there, if you're truly listening and you're scratching around for, you know, something to a, a question now, you know, and if, if, it, you know, think about it, whatever your thing is, if you like sports, I mean, I could sit here and talk sports with, with my peer all day long if we had the time because we both like sports and we ask each other questions and we communicate and it's, it's just, it's, it's, communication it's back and forth and uh it shows when you have an interest and it shows when you listen so um you know that's that's my one key point to, to all that is is people like to talk so they are willing to share and help uh you have to listen to engage and get more and get more and get more so you can learn what's right for you so to speak and i think the more you do it for coming out of the military the more comfortable you're going to be with the, kind of what the civilian process looks like yeah, I think the listening and understanding what people have gone through, you'd be like, all right, well, yeah, that's different, uh, but that's certainly not beyond the, the, the pale for something I could do. And you'll find it's really not that intimidating. It's not that difficult to, to work through. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, hey, I want to give you some open mic time. I think we've covered a lot of great stuff here, Dave, and I, I appreciate it. Um, so open mic time, whether you want to put uh, information or whether you want to, you know, plug, plug – uh, your organization or you have any last parting words uh it's it's your time to say whatever you need to say before we break i think probably uh i'll, I'll talk a little bit about just um the thing that most people are nervous about which is the interview process and how that kind of changes over time for yourself and it's a little bit about what you touched on but i thought it was a really good point um so Initially, as you're coming out of the military, what you're going to want to form up are stories, stories that kind of speak to specific aspects of yourself that you want to highlight. So if you are great with change leadership, you've, you've, you've done that kind of stuff in the military, um, then what are some things, a story that has a, a problem, a solution, and what that's an outcome of that solution in that kind of structure, what are some, some stories that highlight that? If you're, you've been a, you know, uh, an acquisitions officer and you've led large purchases and established contracts and that kind of thing, what are some of those contracts? How do you negotiate them? What did you, um, what was the structure with which you, you followed up on it or whatever the case might be? If you're an organized individual, what things did you organize and how do you go about doing that? Talking through your process and, and, and stories with that structure of problem, solution, and uh, how that outcome turned out is what people generally want to hear. And then what you'll find after you get into your first role, maybe a couple of roles within there four or five years out, the interviews that you may go on uh, for either positions that are promotional within the company or, or positions that might be external to the first company you go to, um, they'll start to become a lot more conversational and you'll find that the interviewer will start to kind of interview you. And that's the place that you want to be where they're trying to pitch the job to you um, because you'll have a lot of experience not only in the military side and people are interested in that, but they want to see how does it correlate to the civilian side, and then you'll have that civilian experience as well, which you can bring to bear, and that's really where you're going to be the most comfortable. I've never regretted the decision to leave the military, I will say that. It was a place where I made some of the best friends of my life, 
did had a huge amount of experience um, and probably experience that I wouldn't have had as quickly if I was in the civilian world. But uh, it is a great thing on the civilian side. You have a lot more control of your career. You have a lot more control over your life. If you want to retire from the military, great, more power to you. It has a, a whole bunch of benefits, but I would not be overly scared of making that transition if you were on the fence um, because it's not nearly as difficult as you'll find it will be, and I think you'll find that you'll have a lot more freedom to, to explore those things that you want to do. And that yeah. would be how I would leave. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great great conclusion. I mean, that 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 initial jump, you know, off off the ledge, so to speak, that's the hard part because you're jumping into the unknown. Um, and that's why I'm doing this to try to try to shed some light on on some of this stuff um, for the transitioners out there. Uh, but but it it does get so like I don't know. It sounds like for you, just like me, like I just about a year and a half out of it, like the switch just turned on, and I was like, yeah, I just. Every interaction I have with somebody is is an interaction that they're remembering me for, and and yeah, to you know to your point, it's like there's the formal interview, uh, and then there's the yeah we know you're the person for the job. We're just going you know we're we're going through the the steps here because I've known you and worked with you for two, three, four, five years, whatever the case is. So, and uh, and I love your point to stories. I mean, everybody likes a good a it goes a lot smoother everybody likes a good story rather than a this is step one that i would do and this is step two and here's when i did step you know like and that's one of the things like I, i've interviewed with senior people and i have for my organization specifically if i've wrapped up i got to sit down and wrap my mind around like why i love working at GE and why I work at GE and I flew on GE engines and, and, and I tied my soft skills and my technical skills and my, just my love for the brand. And I tie that all into one, you know, one story. Uh, and, and people like, I mean, I like people on the edge of their seats talking about my one story of flying around Afghanistan and how it all ties into customer service and, and leadership and the, the GE brand and the engines and, you know, and, and people are just kind of like in awe of it. And at the end of the day, I hit who I am in one story. And then it's like, Hey, what kind of questions do you have? Um, and, and that's, you know, I don't know, that's just how I do things. But I, at the end of the day, I guess my point is people love, people love stories. Um, so just make, make sure it connects, you know, don't just tell a story for the sake of telling a story. You know, you have to understand the organization and have done your homework, uh, but but absolutely have stories that have processes and outcomes um, and people will dig it. Yeah, interviewing is generally a muscle. It takes a little bit of working out to get right. But once you do, it's, it becomes a much easier and smoother process and it's not nearly so intimidating. Yeah. Great. Well, hey, Dave, thanks very much for taking time out of your day. I uh, really appreciate it. Great feedback on, on distribution operations. And I'm sure this will be uh, some some good stuff for listeners and I love the fact that we talked a lot about soft skills because a lot of people in the military think they get out and they don't have hard, hard enough skills and then we're the jack of all trades and masters and nuns and and, and there are organizations that value that and, and industries and, and roles that value that and appreciate that and are willing to willing to take time and train you because because you're so strong at some of these soft skills so so thanks for highlighting that again absolutely man I appreciate again that yeah yeah extending the invite and I was happy to talk through it. I think what you're doing here is a good thing. All right. Thanks, Dave. You have a good one.